Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Over the next few weeks, I want to talk about creating a pathway to financial freedom. And I want to cause you to think and me to think. You may be in the room and say, hey, I'm doing all right financially. There are things that you're going to hear that are going to both challenge and equip you. Others that go, you know, I've never broken through financially. And I thought, you know, if somebody would pray for me, then all my financial worries would cease. No, you need to create a pathway, a principled approach out of God's Word as to how finances work, what the enemy is trying to do in your financial world. And every one of us, North, South, Central, again, across in Australia, every one of us at Life Online, God is saying, this can be one of the greatest challenges. And so many people have said to me over the years, oh, I don't like, or my family doesn't like, or people talk to me and they say, I don't like when the church talks about money. Every series I've done, I've said, you know, the thing is the church doesn't teach on money. It just talks about giving. You just gotta keep on giving, giving. We're gonna discover that God doesn't want you to give everything away. And so if you're one of those people that go, well, I don't like to talk about money. Well, money determines more than we realise. Again, if you've got money that's controlling your decisions, it's gonna cause you to end up where you never thought you wanted to be. If you don't break through in money, then how can you live out the kind of life that God's promised for us to live? And all of us have got issues on money. A couple of years ago, I told the story about an older couple, George and Bessie, and they lived out in the country. And one of the highlights to their year was to going to the annual country festival. You know, the, the, the clowns are, hopping in those little table tennis balls and trying to get a prize. One of the things that was a great attraction to George was that there was a grassed um, like airplane strip and they had this acrobatic plane that you could get a ride in for $10. And so he would convince Bessie to come with him. They'd go over and look at the plane, did it every year. And, uh, and he would say, Bessie, I'd love to go up. I wish we could go up. And she says, but it cost $10 a few years ago. And it's like, yeah, but it's only $10. And Bessie would say, yeah, but $10 is $10. So he would walk away and he'd go the next year, try again, still no good. One particular year, life had moved on. And he says, come on, Bessie, I just want to look at that plane one more time. And again, it was still $10. And he says to her, honey, I'm 81. If we don't get up in the plane this year, I don't know if I'm ever going to get up in that plane. Bessie replied and said, well, George, you need to realise that this aeroplane ride costs money and $10 is $10. Well, the pilot overheard the conversation which he had heard before in previous years and he said, hey guys, come over here. I I heard you talking and I'll make you a deal. What I'll do is if you wanna both come for a ride, I'm gonna take you both up, but here's the condition. It's free unless you squeal, make a sound, give a word, you will have to pay the fee. They, they looked at each other and Bessie's thinking, I'm gonna save $10. So she hops into the plane and of course George hops in and they take off and they fly around and the, the pilot starts twisting and dropping and lifting, trying everything. He's coming down for the land. He can't believe it. They haven't made any noise. And he says to them, as he's focusing on the land, he said, you guys are amazing. You didn't say a word. And then George said, I was gonna say something when Bessie fell out. 
but $10 is $10. (laughs) We might be able to use that in a marriage retreat somewhere. How do you deal with your spouse? I'm not sure whether we could use that. But I wanna be serious today. I, I wanna speak out of my heart for you and the generations that follow you. Here's my question. How much currently does money lead you? Determine the decisions that you're making, important ones about life. Are you currently living a life that's financially free? Have we discovered what is the pathway to break the patterns that have limited us or are we going around and around in circles? So today I'm gonna lay a platform. Here's my thoughts about money. Money builds and destroys. It can build your future and before you kind of tune off, I want you to stay focused because I wanna bring the Word of God into this equation. Proverbs 11 verse 10 says this, when it goes well with the righteous, the whole city is impacted. It rejoices. Verse 11, by the blessing, the word blessing is by the liberal pool or the prosperity of the upright, the city is exalted. Just park there for a moment. If you were to break through into financial freedom, you would affect the city you live in. People have said to me over the years, but Pastor Paul, are you one of those prosperity people? I say, determines how, determined by how you describe prosperity. God through the Bible teaches on living a prosperous life. And yet the challenge is prosperity is not like it's just so that you would have everything you want for you. It's so that the city could be affected by your ability to take God at His word, trust Him and break through. I totally believe the enemy is trying to disempower God's people and disrupt our pathway for financial freedom. He continually throws a shadow. So many Christians listen more to the internet than they do to God's word. Or maybe some wrongs or some excesses. And so, you know what? There was a fire that created a fire that burned a house down. And so let's never have a fire. No, fires operate in fireplaces. And when you do it God's way, there is a release that comes to you. So money both empowers or builds rather and destroys. Because here's how it destroys. Verse 28, Proverbs 11, further down the chapter. The one who trusts in their riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like foliage. I wonder if you're trusting. What would define a trusting in material things? It's when it becomes your overseer. As I said, it determines what you do. Money can both dominate and distract you. Never forget this family, and I knew them well, so I know a little bit of the inside scoop. They were very much a part of life and none of their friends, none of their group, none of the people they were connected knew, but immediately they had gone. What happened to them? Oh, they've gone to another city because he had a better job opportunity. Now, I wouldn't say that's necessarily wrong if, if God's on it, but if it's just for the money. The sadness was within 18 months, their marriage had finished. They never found a church they felt home enough in, so they never went to church. The kids, again, went through a whole lot of trauma. And I just thought, wow, I wonder who made that decision. See, money can, for all of us, 
empower, but it also can destroy. It releases and it controls. So when you get a breakthrough in money, you're able to do so much more good through what it brings to you, but also it has the power to control when you're blessed by it. Proverbs 22 verse seven says that the rich or the one that breaks through in material wealth rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you've lived your life in bad debt, the Bible's talking to you, that's not God's way for you. There is actually good and there is bad debt. We'll talk about that later in the series, but both lack and then excess can dominate us. And I think we've got to all learn how to break off and disempower controlling debt in our lives. Is the debt that you have, if you have debt, serving you? Or is it, uh, or are you serving it? Are you the one that now finds yourself held by it? Galatians chapter six, verse seven. This is God's word. Don't be deceived. Make sure that you don't live, even though you have a faith and a belief, don't live deceived. God is not mocked. The truth is whatever a man sows, he can reap. In other words, every area of your life can change, but don't be deceived. The word deceived is an interesting original word. It says to be slowly led astray. I have a lot of people say, so every two years, I've heard you're speaking on money. Yeah, but two years is a long time easy to be led astray by the power of money. And it's kind of, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. This is what God says. You can change your future by understanding that the seed you currently have has the power to create a harvest. Imagine the difference we could make in a world that has so much poverty, even in Aotearoa, right across the Western world, there is child poverty and we could be in a place where, again, we could have an answer for every human need around us. Can you imagine what God could do? And He says, you've got to start changing the way you see your life. Yeah, but marriage is tough and I'm married, particularly, you know, hard personality to get. Well, are you sowing seeds in the marriage? Or are you just withdrawing from what's there? See, marriage seeds create a good marriage. By the way, a responsive Sunday morning crowd creates a good preacher. So if you're not liking it right now, you're adding to the problem. Come on, change your seeds. Start turning that around. Here is some things that have changed my life in this area. Many things are beyond my control. But harvest is not one of them. Just stop there for a moment. Stop looking at what's been. Stop looking at the generations that went before you. Start looking at a world that's in crisis, even economically. Spending money we don't own. And you know what God says? You can shift your future by the way that you respond. In fact, that same chapter, if you keep sowing to your flesh, of your flesh you'll reap corruption. Sow to your spirit, do it God's way. And you'll have everlasting life. You'll begin to ooze with life. I think one of my turning points, you see, because I grew up in church, I had no problem understanding that seeds create harvest. So all I was taught to do was to sow. But this was a revelation point. I read the verse again many years ago and it shifted me. Galatians 6, 7. I want to read it again. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. In other words, I thought, I thought I just had to sow and then the harvest would turn up. And God said, think about the farmer. You know that the farmer works harder in the harvest than he does in the sowing. 
she works harder reaping and building equity that will secure the now and the future than you do in putting the seed in the ground. God creates the seed to grow. You need to water it, need to fertilize it. The sun comes upon it and it grows. But God wants us to realize that there are some promises and particularly in the material world that we've got to unwrap and realign on. Isaiah 28 in the Message Bible again follows up with this thought. It says, listen to me now, says God, give me your closest attention. Don't be on Instagram right now. Give me your closest attention. Do farmers only plow and plow and do nothing but plow? Or do they harrow and harrow and do nothing but harrow? That's Remember those harrowing instruments that would literally open the ground up? After they have prepared the ground, don't they plant? Okay, I want you to get this. Don't they do something? Don't just sit in church, but they begin to activate something. They scatter the dill and the speed, uh, spread come in. They plant wheat and barley in the fields and raspberries along the borders. That was to keep the animals out. They know exactly what to do and when to do it. Their God is their teacher. It's an amazing thing, even after the first service. Why is it we never talk about money together? As a parent, how much time do we spend teaching our kids about money? How, and friends, why don't we talk about money? Is it the t- taboo thing? Or is the enemy so sold a lie that he wants us to stay limited and God says, I want to release you so that my kingdom can be on earth as it is in heaven. I want to release you so that you're not ruled in your decisions about money. And so we're talking about creating a pathway to financial freedom. Literally, these four weeks are going to be so important. But I want to start with some of the misunderstandings we have about money. One of them is this, is that financial freedom is only for some. We've always been under poverty. We've always had a lack. And so that's who we are. I want to challenge that thought that I think the enemy has whispered into our minds at times and say, hey, it's not for you. You can be trapped so long in not seeing something you fail to believe you can change it. So what they do in the circuits of old and circuses of old, they would take a young elephant, big according to human size, but small in elephant size. And they would put a chain around the elephant and then put a stake, a big post into the ground so that the size of the elephant and the power of the elephant didn't have the strength to pull it out. So the elephant would begin to learn to walk like this. Because every time it pulled, it couldn't move. And so it would go round and round in circles. Could I suggest that's a whole lot of Christians right there? I'm not saying this to offend you. I'm saying this to shake you up. I'm prepared to accept that I can't get the breakthrough because I kind of tried and it never worked. And, but do you realise the more time you're in God's Word and in His presence, the elephant begins to grow. And so as the elephant begins to grow, now it's got the strength. But what happens is they prove they can even take the chain off and now put a rope, which is far weaker than the chain, and actually just have a peg in the ground, but the elephant believes it can never break out. And I kind of feel like God saying, I feel passionate about this. That the enemy is ripping futures off. He's ripping families off. He's ripping the church in a day and age where God says, you know, there's no answer out there. There's no government in the world that can find the answer. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can make a difference with who you are. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him Sunday morning here at life. If you abide in my word, 
Do it my way. Then you'll be a disciple indeed and you will know the truth. And here it is. The truth will make you free. It'll liberate you. It may not happen overnight, but you are gonna be committed to saying, okay, God, if I need to change, you do that. You see, Marie and I, same thing in church our whole lives. For me, I had always been taught to give and it's kind of like we've been married for 15 years. I was 38. Every time there was a need in a family close to us, we would help that need, love to do it. We had a generosity taught. Go to church and churches were doing things and we would invest into that. After 15 years of marriage, we didn't have $1 saved. And I said to God, how would we ever get a home and build something that could go generationally? And it was like, God says, you've got part of the answer, but you haven't understood that it's one thing to sow, it's another thing to create a harvest. And God took us to this verse and it became life-changing. In fact, it's the basis of my God, Money and Me book. And this is what I read in 2 Corinthians 9 God is able. You might be one of eight kids, but God is able. You might have got 38% in English, but God is able. You might be in a church that responds half the time. God is able. God is able, what? To make all grace abound to you, not just salvation grace. Grace that can repair your failure in the past. Grace that can laugh at the enemy because he sought to destroy you. Grace that can turn your future around. Grace that can lift you financially. Grace in every, oh, well, I don't know that it's talking about finance. That's because you haven't read the Bible yet. Let's read on. It says, it will abound towards you. It's not like here's a trickle. Oh, God wants to fade. The heart of our Father wants us to shift the way that we see ourselves. Why? Because you're the answer. That you always, not sometimes, have all sufficiency. Not some sufficiency. In all things. That you will ultimately have an abundance for every good work. If you believe the Bible, you can't blot that one out. You, you can't say up north, oh, that won't work for me. You can't say south, can't say central, can't say online. Oh, that won't work for me. No, God is able. I began to quote that over and over. I had no real answers, but I said, God is able to make all grace abound to Paul Andrew de Jong. And that Paul will always have all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. You know, that word grace means liberality, favour. Poor. Sufficiency, that you could live a state of life where you had a perfect condition when it came to the material world. You would not need to have any other support. I take from that simply this, there should be a day coming where I will not have to work for money. I'll work fully for the purpose of God on my life. And that's when we begin to unlock over this next series, in this series, how that if we begin to do it God's way now, the generations that follow will not spend their whole lives saving for a house. They'll have a platform and they'll be able to add to that platform and release generations beyond them should Jesus tarry. And the enemy will not be able to stop the church making a difference because we'll have an abundance for every good work. You got need in your city, we can help. You got need round about you, we can help. And I sat there going, wow. See, I, I didn't even realize it, but I had bought into that thought that financial freedom was just for some. I'm a pastor. Couldn't, couldn't believe that 
our lives could begin to change incrementally. Go to 3 John and verse 2, beloved, this is God's word. I pray that you prosper. That you be in health. Prosper in all things the way that your soul prospers. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I am come that you may have life, what? Abundantly. Abundantly. That's what Jesus came for. So it's right to stop sometimes and just say, okay, God, where am I on this journey of, God says you've got to deal with some misunderstandings. You're not a special case. Second, misunderstanding is, hey, I don't need more money. Let me go straight into that. Of course you don't if you're all about you. Well, I got lots of money. We've done well and we're looking after ourselves and that's enough for us. We, we don't want to be greedy. No, God says, I want you to be generous. You see, the whole teaching of Scripture is this thought that every one of us are called to be there and to become, hear it, a river, not a dam. So when you understand that God is calling us to get positioned, not to be happy with, we're thankful for what God has done, but we're not parking there. It's kind of like, what could we do? It's like, well, all we need is a move of God, Paul. You've got to stop talking about the material world. And I go, no, 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 back the truck up. Let's go back 20 years ago when... We were in Auckland, I think it was about that, maybe uh, around that time, and, and we had Greg Laurie contact us about coming to Auckland to do a big um, uh, crusade to see people wonder Christ. said, would you be a part of it? We've heard about you. I said, yes, we would, and we'll get other churches. And we had a whole lot of churches say, wow, Greg Laurie, the big evangelist from California is gonna come to Aotearoa, have a great, great crusade. So we invited him in. He said, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna come early. We'll have a pre-crusade meeting and I want some of my team to come and we'll talk about what needs to happen. Anyway, he came and he encouraged us all. Maybe in the room, there might've been 50 pastors plus. Then uh, the person leading that meeting before he came up to speak said, you know what? We're gonna take up an offering for this big Auckland crusade. And I go, wow, we need this. Seriously, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the moment I felt like God said, you gotta lead the way. So we put in, Marie and I put in three or $500, which was a huge amount back then. At the end of the meeting, I went up to the person looking after the finances and I was excited. I said, how'd the offering go? He said, it was pretty good actually, two and a half thousand. Listen to me. Two and a half thousand is gonna put a foundation to a move of God in a whole city. We're gonna hire the biggest venue. We've got two and a half thousand. We're, we're ready. Do you know that that church, Harvest Church, Greg Laurie, put in 150,000 of their own church money in another country because we weren't ready for it. Seriously, some of us that have got a gift financially need to keep increasing. There is more work to be done. There's a shift. See, money says to vision, I can release you. You can have all the vision you like, but you need a foundation to build that vision upon. Money says to need, I can help you. We can help you come to the church. We're here. We, we've learned how to break through in this area so we can help you. And money says to debt, I can free you. We can change the patterns of generational dysfunction. Money says to time, I can direct you. You know, the enemy wants you not to believe that you can break through because your time becomes available not serving money 
but releasing the purposes of God in and through you. And you can tell I'm pretty, you know, sort of in, in fired up today. Because there, there are sometimes I feel like I've got to whack the enemy. And I, I don't really care what stuff happens to me on the internet about this subject. I'm going for it. I'm saying God's people deserve to be free. And the generations that follow us need to have that thought. So financial freedom is not only for some. And again, you do need more money. The third one would be this. The Bible teaches that money is evil. Really? Where'd you get that from? The enemies whispering. See, the enemy does understand the outcome of when there is financial freedom. Read the verse that most people relate to. They just read it wrong. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. The love of money. The love of money is the root, the offspring of all kinds of evil. And some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. God teaches us that money is both for good and it can create evil. It's what you pursue. Pursue God and His way, the releases finance. Just pursue money. By the way, the love of money, this is how I would describe the love of money. It seeks a priority of focus. Oh, I can't get to church. We can't be involved in ministry. We can't get with group. We can't do that because we're just too busy at work. You've been doing that for three years. Why is money directing the important things in your life? It becomes the final decision maker. That's the intent of the love of money. It gives birth to distraction and drift. It has an agenda to ultimately take the lead of our earthly decisions. Verse six of the same chapter, godliness with contentment, however, is great gain. By the way, you brought nothing into the world and you can't carry anything out. If you've got food and clothing, there you should be content. But those who desire to be rich for riches sake fall into temptation and a snare. I love this quote, do not value money for any more nor less than it's worth. Money is a good servant, but it's a bad master. Again, you say, yeah, but that doesn't prove that we should be seeing an abundance. Take all of scripture, but let me bring another verse out of the same chapter. Verse 16, 1 Timothy 6, instruct those who are rich in this present world. Don't become conceited or fix your hope on uncertain riches, but fix your hope, your focus on God. Here it is, who richly supplies us with all all things to enjoy. Stop excusing. If you're being faithful to God, God's blessing of the things that you love. As I bring this to a focus, I seriously want you to realize that financial freedom is for all of us. God is looking to liberate us in this area so that we can become this river of hope for humanity that the Bible teaches the love of money is evil, but not money. It empowers on earth, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, yeah, but Jesus, if we were and are called to be like Jesus, you know, Jesus modeled a life of living with little. Some would argue and say, yeah, but the robe he wore was worth a lot, but I don't think that proves that he had a whole lot of natural or material possessions. I think it is true that Jesus lived a materially simple life. I think according to Bible, he didn't model that for us to live. There may be seasons 
in our mission where God says, this is good for you because you need to trust me and lean on me, but there's a bigger picture. You say, well, again, scripturally, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich. Ever thought what it's gonna be like when we get to heaven? You're gonna go, wow, nobody's vacuum cleaned this place with a Dyson. (laughs) Scripture tries to explain that there's something about the beauty of gold and the sparkle of diamonds. That's not about them, but it's about the Creator. It's like the sun coming up unhindered in the morning and setting at night and the clouds being blown away and the beauty of a deep blue sky. As the days get longer, it reminds you, wow, we're coming for summer. Everything expressing there's a God of goodness. Listen to this. Said it before, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor. That you through His poverty may become rich. That word rich, abounding in material resources, abundantly supplied, both in riches and Christian virtues and eternal possessions. Some of these things we need to, over the next few weeks, just sit in a group and talk about this. See, we accept that Jesus could be marred beyond recognition, spat upon, bruised, cut up, hung on a cross that He didn't deserve. And we accept that He did it so that we could be free and healing could come to our bruises. But He did the same in the financial world. He became poor that we through His poverty might be rich. There are times where God's gonna call you just to trust Him and you won't see the evidence. The disciples, hey, it's time. I'm getting ready to go home to the Father. It's time for you to go out two by two. I don't want you to take your lunches with you. I don't want you to take any material possessions because I want you to know that you can trust God. And in those moments in our life, we've had many trust God moments and we've seen God provides when we do nothing. But God says, but there's an overarching freedom that comes with that. And so they gave everything. Listen to how Jesus responds, Mark 10, 29. He answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left a house a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a wife, children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the ages to come eternal life. So when it's not working, you've got to ask, that's God's Word. What do we need to shift? David builds the temple of God and he's got great resources and he leads the people in a prayer. He says, both riches and honour come from you, God. You reign over all and your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Wow. Could you imagine the generations that follow you becoming unlocked in this area because there was a shift in your understanding? Don't have to work it all out. We're on a pathway. As a church, we're a part of a church this year that will do in excess of $20 million worth of community impact. Okay, nobody excited here. People getting food. Come on. People finding a home to live in. People receiving something from someone they never knew, just saying, you're valuable. People being educated, people being moved. And you go, well, yeah, we've been praying for that. You can't pray for that without doing what you need to do. 
to break through in what we're in. I think in our generation, we have got to be the church. I'm speaking globally. We have got to be the voice of hope and value. We're drifting so fast, but can you imagine what it's going to cost for us to get the right platforms? To build credibility and to be in that place? I look at that and I go, God, we've got to begin by changing the misunderstandings we've got about money. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.